Yeah, dude. I yeah, I was St. Louis and then Chicago and then back to St. Louis and then to Vegas. And it's one of those the the first St. Louis and then the Chicago were like COVID pushbacks from the spring. Like I had trade shows that I was supposed to go to that I'd signed up for, which were like February. Like I don't even know what fucking like variant they called it, but they're like, oh no, you can't come. We're moving this to October. And I was like, no. They're yeah, like, yep, yeah. we're doing this. And Heller, you're still going. <laughs> so away I went. <laughs> yeah, that was St. Louis, then Chicago, then back to St. Louis again for another <laughs> show. And then went to Vegas for three days, got back. I was able to get out for three days at the end of October. Like that was, that was my plan. And then also, you know, my wife coaches, she coaches volleyball. So that ends in the middle of October. And so like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm dad, you know, I'm stay at home, not stay at home dad, but I'm like, I'm on daddy duty, I guess. Yeah. Every day after school on game nights, on weekends, when there's tournaments, things like that. So I guess, and I t- did take off to go elk hunting for a week. So I did oh, yeah. September for a week, right? <laughs> yeah, which is kind like... of a, a long time to be away from home too. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Saturday to Saturday chasing, chasing elk. And then, but I think, you know, for, for how I was, Allie and I were hashing it out, it's just like, there's a, like October, September, October, November is just like ridiculous for us. I just yeah, like it's just go like it. go 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 and then we roll into Thanksgiving and then St. Nick's and then Christmas and it's just like all of a sudden you wake up and it's middle of January and you're like holy shit we're done yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I get there's like a few things at work that I should probably like go and do during the month of like it's like end of October and stuff I'm like no not going <laughs> like I, unless somebody's making me go I don't want to go and everybody knows why. And like my auto offices say like, Hey, like when I went elk hunting, Hey, I'm in the, I'm in the Rocky mountains chasing elk with my, with my bow. Like if you need something, don't call me basically. <laughs> right. Like find someone else. Yeah. Yeah. My, my auto office this week is like, Hey, I'm 30 or I'm 20 feet in a tree chasing deer with a stick and string. Like, <laughs> like I'm busy. So like everybody knows like what I'm doing. And it so, just is. It, yeah, it's just like I'm on vacation. They know this time of year, like I'm gonna be hunting, and um, so I just make sure that's that's known. But it, I'm sure it won't always work out, but it seems to be work pretty good now. No, yeah, I I agree. And the the uh, like this year was just like it all lined up to be like poor for me to get out to the woods. Like literally, I'm like home for two to three days, and then I'm gone for like three to four days. Then I'm home for two to three days, and I'm gone for three to four days. So like. In my family's mind, I'm just gone all the time, whether it's for work or for hunting. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, I'm just gone. Sure. So I yeah. want to spend, I want to. So the other thing I was trying to do was really like, I and I told my boss, um, I said, hey, do you mind if I request PTO 10 days out when the weather forecast hits? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to <laughs> request my PTO. And he was like, yeah, dude, as long as you got the hours, you know, and you get your stuff done, like, sure, that's totally cool. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Not a big deal. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And the last week of October, we had a nice cold front hit for like two, three days or whatever. So I picked that up. So I've been trying to be really uh, precise with the time that I take off. That's what I'm trying to do. And then you talk to these guys on the podcast and whatnot. 
And some of these dudes are like, yeah, dude, I try to hunt actually as little as possible. Like if, if I'm doing it right, I'm hunting like four or five sits and then I'm killing. <clears throat> yeah. You know, well, but, but I, I get what you're saying, but here, here's what I'm also he, like all these podcasts. I feel like in the last couple months, it's been like the in, maybe not the last one, maybe in the last year, it's like the, the thing to say, like, and people want to talk about how much they scout and don't hunt and like how little they hunt and they kill something. And like, I understand it. Like I get it. Um, but I, 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 my experience is, um, the more time I'm, if you have the, if you have enough property to bounce around, the more time you're in the woods, the more time you're asked in the stand. Um, the better your chances are like I've been in, I've killed deer in situations where people are like, would never sit it during that wind in that spot or that weather, or it's too hot or man, it's way too cold. Like I can't, I wouldn't sit that long. Like what are you doing in the middle of the day in December sitting in the spot? Well, what was this deer doing there? They sh that deer shouldn't have been there either. Right. So like <laughs> weird, like animals do weird things that they shouldn't do. Or you get this picture in your camera, like, Oh, that's just random. Like, and you can't, correlated to something like everybody wants to correlate it to something like oh it's the moon like everybody's looking for a pattern it's the moon it's the weather it's this wind it's this you name it right and it could have been this coyote bumped it or it could have been like something like a, the neighbor's dog got out and pushed it over here and, like like weird things happen and if you're not in the woods to do that and to be there to to capitalize on it like it, it's not going to happen now with that being said, right? Like I, I get the whole thing where like, Hey, don't be out in the woods too much. Like don't waste your time out there. Like spend time with family. Like it, like play the odds game. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I have charted all of my trail camera pictures in the last four years of daylight sits. And like, it tells me like what day, like it's like a perfect, like bell curve. Right. It's, it's like perfect. <laughs> right. And it peaks right when you think it does, right? And it, um, the times of the day, right? It tells you like, hey, uh, early mornings, more so in the evenings. I think like 65% of my daylight pictures come in the evening over mornings. And most of those mornings, like I think like 70% of the morning pictures I have all come during like late October, early November. Like that's the majority of it, right? But mm -hmm. I've been hunting plenty of times where I'm seeing big sure bucks early in the morning. I just maybe don't have my camera pictures or whatever in weird times of the season, right? Whether it's later in the year or early in the year, like it, it can happen. It's more difficult, right? Your odds are better when they're out rutting and running around. But like, it's like a weird thing too. When you're listening to stuff, people talk about like, I scout more than I hunt. And then in the same sentence, they're like, but I only get out there and I only hunt a few times a year. And then, and then I kill the, a big deer or whatever. Well, how do you stay out of the woods and scout at the same time? Right. Like, that's what I listen to these podcasts. I'm like, how do these guys like, they talk about scouting it, but they're talking about, Oh, we have, you have to stay out of the woods. I'm like, that's for anybody listening. That's the most confusing thing <laughs> you've ever heard. Dude. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. So to, to hit that one, well, for I, to back up, I want to hit on that one. Cause there's, I would agree. Like, um, talk to some boys who are hunting North Dakota or South Dakota. I can't remember which one, 
but their best trail cam days and they have they bait everywhere right they have bait laid out their best trail cam days are the hottest days with south south winds like that's what they that's what you would not expect right right and then also like one of my buddies killed a great buck on like october 5th at 11 a.m right and i was like what were you even doing in a tree stand at 11 30 a.m on october 5th he was like I don't know. I got off work at 10. So I went to sit in the tree stand. I was just going to sit there until I don't know when I felt like getting out of it. I, yeah. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like ignorance in that sense is bliss. Like he, he's just like, I don't know. I just wanted to go sit it. And he, and I'm not yeah. saying like he shot like a hundred inch buck. It was like 172 or it's 173 inch buck, like mm-hmm. on a scrape on October 5th. Like yeah. it was one of those things where I was like, what the fuck, you know, yeah. <laughs> but um, but at the same time, like, yeah, like deer do weird shit. People do weird shit. I, I think like to that sense, like if you could just flat out hunt every day of the year, like I would, but a lot of us have to like pick, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I have the luxury of picking like seven to 10 days out. Some people have to pick four months yeah. out and just yeah. go last week of October and other people get to pick like a day here and there. And other people have family issues, things like that, that they need to like manage and work through and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, there's all these like factors that go into it. And I think I, I would agree to, to your point of like deer do weird shit. I think like the whole, the more like I do this podcast and the more I like get in my own head, (laughs) the, the more in the early season and the late season, patterns trail cams scouting and not hunting a lot like that matters more than during the like late october and the first two to three weeks in november like Mm -hmm. those like if you were to take that those four weeks off the last week of october and the three weeks of november i don't in my mind you just need to be in the woods like you need to yeah. be in the woods in a place that you're confident in. And after that, like put in your time. Yeah. I, I just think like you listen, I listen to a lot of guys and they're just like, and I, I think I don't I want listen people listen and thinking that like, Oh, I, I shouldn't be hunting. I'm going to scare everything away. Like to a certain point. Yes. Right. Like you can't be in the woods stinking. You can't be making a, a running amok in there and, and kicking deer out of there. I guess it depends on your property too. You, you hunt a thousand acres of public or something like that. You can bounce around. Um, you're, you're not hunting the same spots, but like you, like I, it, it's becoming like this in thing of like, Oh, just you, you got to scout, you got to scout, 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 and just you hunt once and then you kill your deer. Like, well, what if you don't know how to scout? What if you're just run, walking around the woods and you, you don't find anything you don't, you don't like, or it doesn't look like super good or you don't know how to quite read it yet the sign and and so what do you just keep we just keep scouting until you find like what this textbook thing like he's like oh wow there's five scrapes on the row and this one's as big as a car hood like i'm gonna set up on it like that stuff doesn't exist everywhere right so sometimes it's harder to see some of those little things or even how to set up on it um yeah dude i i agree like a sign sign that you find is all relative to the area like if you're in, you know, maybe a, a scrape the size of, you know, a, a dinner plate is like the ticket where you are. 
And maybe for me, it's a car hood. And maybe like for you, it's five scrapes in a row. And for me, it's just one. Like there's, there's a lot of things that go into in, in relativity to an area, to the, the density of the deer, to the terrain that you're hunting. I think there's a, there's a lot that goes into that, but the only way you learn it is by scouting. But I, I agree. I think like the, you know, Zach Farrenbaugh said this to me. He's like, dude, I, I believe there is a difference in a deer crossing your track and getting a, like a whiff of your boots type of thing, like four hours after you've been in there versus a deer getting a full nostril downwind of you at 40 yards. Like mm-hmm. the deer see that differently. So yeah, like what, I, I seen that this morning, the exact same thing you're talking about. Yeah. So I think, I think like to, to defend these guys a little bit, I, I agree that you can't just like during the rut, like I, there's a couple things that roll on to roll onto my thought here, but I think that like scouting and putting in, putting your scent in and being in the woods and like finding, finding sign in like the early season, like prior to October 10th, like that's going to really increase your odds. Um, and, and late season as well, like going, like if you have a picked cornfield and there isn't a damn track in it, don't sit it, you know, like you yeah, got to go right. find the, the, yeah, the sure. soybean field, right? Like <clears throat> that is like, you have to find the sign in those like opposite ends of the spectrum. But if you're in the middle of the season, like shit can pop off at any time. Like Dylan, like, I think I, I mentioned this in the last podcast was my buddy Dylan. Um, he was in a stand. He wasn't having anything going on. And this was two days yesterday, uh, November 7th. He moved 300 yards and on his way to the stand, he didn't even make it to the stand. A doe came burning by and then it was a buck parade and he ended up shooting the fifth buck that he got in, that he got in range. Like, you know, and he was just like, I don't know, right place, right time. I was just in there, you know, and, and you just putting in the time. But before, before I give, before I give you the mic back here, cause I know you want to say something, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> The other, the other piece of like scouting and not hunting, like in the middle of the season, I'm a firm believer in find your pinch points or your funnels and put in your time. Like at that point, you don't need to scout a ton. You just need to put in your time. There are deer that will, and you don't know, like, here's the problem is you don't, you can't, you don't have like this checklist of what deer are on your property and what their personality types are. Like no, maybe people who do this for the living, like juries, like have this information, but the average person like us, they don't, they don't know like, Hey, you know, I have five bucks using my property that are all quality shooters that I would shoot. Three of them are going to roam and two of them are going to save home bodies. And the two Mm -hmm. of them that are home bodies, I'm going to go and try to hunt them because they're home bodies. Whereas the three roamers, like I got to catch them before November 1st or out there or else they're out the door until like the 20th people don't have that information right so that's like the hard part about like quote-unquote scouting and not hunting during the rut is because you could scout and find all the sign but as dylan and ryan unger mentioned in the last podcast and and i don't know if you listen to this but they were like we had one buck that is a core area buck he walked up to a fence line where he always turns around and during the rut he sniffed the fence post and turned around and walked back into his core area and then the buck they ended up shooting, they had never seen before. And he was a cruiser. You just mm-hmm. don't know who's cruising, who's staying, who's coming, who's going. So putting in the time 
in this time frame in a pinch point and outside of a known betting area. Like I prefer pinch points more so than betting areas because betting areas will hold whatever, like anywhere from two to seven does. I don't know this again, relative, but what if those does are all on the same cycle? Like girls in college, when they all live together, <laughs> they all get on the same fucking cycle. Like it's, it's a thing. Does can be in that same boat. And they can all get on the cycle. They can all get bred within a week. And then that betting area is toast. You know, bucks yeah. aren't moving in there anymore because they know mm-hmm. that all those does are bred. That, you know, they hit that apartment complex. That apartment complex is done. They need to move on to the next one. And so that's why I like pinch points more than the downwind side of the betting areas, whatever that that people always say. Yeah. I've done that tactic. It doesn't seem to work for me. But what does is really good pinches and travel routes yeah all right so i got a lot to respond <laughs> on that there but i'm gonna go me in. just quickly to what you just said there on and then i'm gonna go back to us thinking about but the yeah the, the betting part i was actually thinking about today is like those are like hit or miss right you can either you can be down when the betting but like they're not going to be what you think of the rut when you're hunting right like they're not you're not going to have these days where you're seeing seven different bucks you can but like typically um it's just not going to happen. You're going to have those days in those pinches and those funnels, right? Like you're going to like, that's where like right now, today's November was the eighth. Yeah. Today's November eighth. Like this, like the fifth through the 12th, like in that range, like I'm hunting pinches funnels, right? Like that's where I want to be. It, unless I'm after a certain buck and I know his area, then I might be hunting those, trying to hunt those doe bedding areas. But those, those doe, bedding areas you're not going to get the same excitement at the pinch you're gonna be your buddies are gonna be texting you telling me about all these deer they're seeing running around and you're gonna be like i saw a spike today or i saw you know a, a doe and a fawn like that's all i saw today. or there's been days i've hunted doe bedding last year november 9th i hunted doe bedding area waiting for this buck i didn't see deer the entire day not one all day and, and november 9th is like blows me away right so like mentally you have to prepare yourself for that mm-hmm. but the reason I was hunting that is because I had a cell camera in there and there was the buck I shot the following day after that, that he was in and out of that bedding three days in a row. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I sit the next day all day long waiting for him and I don't see a single deer, but like mentally you're just like, Oh, I don't want to go back to that spot. I went back to it the next day and I saw a ton of deer not, and, and end up killing him in a slightly different spot from there. But um, regard, regardless, right. Like those tactics can work. You just have to be mentally prepared that it's not going to be what you envision the rut. Like when you're sitting there in April and March and whatever, and you're thinking about deer hunting and you, you're like, we magnify the rut in our brain to be so much more than what it actually is. And until it gets here and then we're like, Oh, all the deer are dead. Every one of them's dead. There, there's none <laughs> around. Right. Like, like, and, but that's just not the case. Right. So you just got to mentally be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, Dude, and speaking yeah. of and speaking of roamers, like I get it's eight fifty five p.m. right now. I get my updates from my trail cams at eight eight forty five. I got a buck. It's a double drop tie, eight point. He's he's an eight point with two drops, making him a ten. And I mm-hmm. haven't gotten a picture of him on since September twentieth, and he showed up this morning at eight a.m. Coming nice. into my property, so yeah. he's probably hopefully he's gonna be there for a day or two. But again cruiser man i he hasn't been on the property in a month and a half yeah that's crazy 
right? That's so crazy. yeah, that's exciting. Going, oh, it is. It is. I'm kind of thinking about it right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's Wednesday, it's Tuesday night. I'm going to be hunting Thursday and I know exactly where I'm going to be hunting. Cause I know where those pictures of him were previously. And if he goes, yeah. if he hangs around for a day or so, like in that area and kind of pokes around, I think, I also think like deer can, like you were, you were saying like that buck went into that bedding area three days in a row and then he disappeared for a day and then he was back the next day and you kind of killed him in the same general area. Like mm -hmm. deer, deer can either stay in a core area and just sit in the same 40 acres for the entire rut. They can move every single day, three miles they can move like I I hope that this double drop time that I'm looking at right now it's a really bad picture else I I kind of I could kind of show it to you, but um he uh let me see if I can get this to you uh hold on let me un this stupid zoom thing um, there we go so you can kind of see the drop on there right oh yeah yep nice right so yeah. if he if he sticks around. He could could stick around for two days. He could literally just pass through. He could already be out of my property. It's been 12 yeah. hours. He could already be out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But the thing that I do know is that in general, there's like four spots on the property, five spots on the property where these bucks will show up as like the main pinch points or travel routes. And in my mind, this is how I like envision it. Like if you're if you're shooting down the Mississippi, right, you got the main channel and you break off into some sort of tributary. And then that tributary has multiple other tributaries to it. Right. And you, you're like, you're trying to go find some docks and you're trying to find some backwater, but all of a sudden you, you know, you're going down the main channel, you take a right, you take a left, you take another right. And all of a sudden you're back in this tributary that doesn't have a name and you're in some unknown godforsaken swamp. Right. And, and you then you get there. stung with a, a broadhead. <laughs> right yeah but uh yeah exactly but like for me like how i envision it is is there's a main channel through my property with a couple mm -hmm. main tributaries and you want to hunt those you don't want to hunt the little offshoot lagoon bullshits like you need to hunt the main travel corridors which are the main channels and that's mm -hmm. like that's how i'd hunt yeah. this. that's how i'd go after this deer is i kind of have it's been four. I've been hunting the property for four years now. I kind of, I feel like I have it outlined, but mm -hmm. I know it's not like hundred percent the case, but I, I'm giving it a go. I, I think, um, I think to your point, like these deer kind of cycling in and out, it's in like, you just have to, you have to find those spots and put in the time where you think those yeah. corridors are. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, you definitely, like I do a ton of scouting, but not necessarily, I do some in season. Um, but it, I just, it got to me that day when I hear that stuff, but I, it was like a buzzword, like, oh, I, I don't, I don't hardly hunt. I just scout all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that as much, but, uh, but don't get me wrong. You have to understand your property and I'm always learning the property. Same, same with you. Like, I bet you're learning little things here or there about like, oh, I didn't realize they bedded there or, um, oh, like I didn't realize this was like how they utilize this, um, uh, topography here right or like like I thought this was a trail but this is actually a better one you know so you're constantly learning these things through scouting whether it's off season or during season or or poking around or just constantly in your head asking like why why are those deer there why why do I constantly see those deer there how are they getting in and out of there right like you still have to do that 
Um, but I think there's something we said about um, just hunting too, right? And just being out there and being in the, in the right place at the right time. Because if you just think about it, like we're sitting in a damn tree, right? So I go out to Montana and I elk hunt and we're chasing down these elk, right? I come back here and I'm just going to sit in this tree and hope an animal walks by. It's the weirdest know? feeling, dude. You're yeah. out there and you're going miles a day. You're running these, you're trying to chase these elk down and then you get home and you're like, I'm just going to sit here for five just hours. Sit here. And not move. Uh, yeah. We'll sit here all day long and hope something walks within 20 yards of this tree. Right. But that's and you're that literally I sitting shoot. there like, how, yeah. why am I doing this? Like, this is yeah. stupid. I should be out chasing these bucks. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, like, no, they care a lot more about sounds. They care a lot more about movement. They care a lot more about smell, like not smell, but they just, you can't, you can't chase down a bedded buck. Like, yeah. you don't know. The big thing is you don't know where the fuck they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think like you're so, saying, to, you, get, to, you get in those travel corridors, right? And you get in those pinch and those funnels when it's the heat of the ride. You get those. And, and not even, I. for me, um, it, it's really maybe like the last couple of days of October to maybe like no, November 12th, right? Like that window there. Like I'm just kind of rotating all these pinches in these funnels based on winds and wa the water yeah. holes I've set up, which are in these pinches and funnels already. Um, and, and maybe a little food sources here or there in the evening hunts, but, but even those, like I struggle to sit those in the evenings or in the rut just because I, like, there's so many things that have like for a mature buck to come out in the, in a field, like I, there's so many things that can happen to scare up deer, whether that's, if it's a nice day, there's other people out or, um, like there's, everyone's got a side by side cruising around or, uh, you know, someone's walk walking their dog or like something weird happens unless you're in a really secluded food plot, it just seems like they just get really jumpy out there. Right. And it just, I, I've had it happen one way too many times where it just doesn't, you're hoping for them to get in range. It doesn't happen. So if you can position yourself in that funnel or in that transition or somewhere where they're going towards that food source, where they're going to walk by you within 20 yards and you can, you know, already set yourself up for that. Um, and they're keeping that, to the cover, right. Yeah. They're keeping the cover. They're feeling safer. The other big yeah. thing, like, you know, scout scouting, you know, I had a podcast with Aaron Warbritton um, and he was like, I would rather if I had a weekend, which contains four hunts, I would rather scout three times and hunt one time. Now, in that sense, the way we were talking about it was for like, essentially, so is he like, saying like a brand new property or somebody yeah. brand new? Yeah, oh, that makes like, sense. Yeah, right. Like, like that makes total sense to, to me, right. especially during the pre-rut, like you're scouting three, well, three sits or whatever. You're taking the time to find the scrape or the trail or the food source that you're after. Right. Sure. Like that's what yeah. I agree with that scenario. If you already yeah. have like all of your like kind of spots set up, like where you want to go at that point, it's like, what's the wind doing? How can I get in and out of there as, as little with as little intrusion as possible? And you know, how fast can I get to the woods? Right. <laughs> like that's really but for sure. With that being said though, I see a lot of guys just get locked in these same spots. Uh -huh. And, and so, right. So like there, there's something said about having those spots, those funnels, those things you go to. Right. But you can't just always go to those spots either. You can't always do it. Like you have to like, 
in my mind, right, you still, you got to be able to bounce around. You have to be flexible. You have to be mobile. Like if, if there's a, like some people, right, they have a, a stand. And I know guys that shoot a lot of deer, a lot of big deer, a lot of people on podcasts, a lot of people that people really respect are like, I set up stand here. I only go on in this wind. Like me personally, if I wanted to get into a spot, I'm just going to make that spot work with my mobile setup. Like for the most part, right? There's sometimes I won't go into an area, but I'm going to find how do I position myself in a tree? How do I access this differently? Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it differently than just like, this is the best way to get in and out. This is the best way to sit here. It, yeah. depending on the situation right but if i won't really want to hunt a spot and i'm after a deer and i think he's going to be there the next day like and i'm going to get aggressive going to kill him like i'm just going to make it happen and i'm gonna i'm gonna gamble a little bit and 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 the worst that's going to happen is he's going to catch me in a tree that i've never been in before and then i'm never going to sit that spot again probably right like yeah it, like i'll probably never sit in that tree and I'll, I'll find another spot to do it at i think that's like yeah so for that, for that, what you're, what you're talking about is essentially like for lack of a, uh, for lack of like a, a better example here, like a, not a better example, but a water hole, right? You have a water hole and your current stand that you have set up is phenomenal. And the entry is also phenomenal. Everything's squared away for a North wind and you mm-hmm. get your time off and everything for the next four days is South winds. And you're like, mm-hmm. dude, the buck's on trail camera on the water hole, but my stand is and my entry is set up for north wind. Mm-hmm. But you're saying is a set, I mean, there is literally a north, south, east, and west to every area. So mm-hmm. you're saying, like, I go essentially, you're like, dude, I'm just gonna walk across the freaking water hole and set up on the north side of that so that the south wind yeah. is good for me. And I'm gonna yeah. get in extra early and stay extra late. Yep. Yeah, and like I, I'm gonna find a way to make it work. And and then I found times like, like just like you're saying that. That all of a sudden, like thermals, and I'll find out, like, holy smokes, like something somebody would never do, like, oh man, that's suicide. Like, where I shot my buck a couple of days ago, like, for years, I was like, I, you can never hunt that area with this wind. And now, like, that's my favorite spot to hunt with a south wind, like, like, because my thermals are always going up. I'm up on top of this ridge, and like, my wind just goes over top, and bucks will come behind me, they'll come from any which direction. And and I'm good. And I would never have known that if I didn't try that a couple of years ago when we had 10 straight south winds or days of south winds in a row. And I was like, I, I, I'm not going to waste my rut. Just exactly what you're saying. Right. Where I'm not going to waste the entire rut never hunting this area. Like, I'm going to go try to make this work. Yeah. And then I find a spot where like people are like that's suicide. And I'm like, well, I tried it and it worked. So, like, it's I don't know. I, I guess I'm a little more risky. A little, I'm willing to gamble a little bit more than, than some people are. I think I I think people get in this mindset of like like we talked about it earlier. Uh, uh, a boot scent is different than wind, like catching a full nostril. You right. Mm-hmm. So like if you cross a water hole or whatever, you cross a trail, you cross like a mini food plot, whatever the heck it is, and you're it's just your boots, and then you're set up on the other side the whole time. And, and then your boots are back across the other way and you're making it quick. You're not like lingering or anything like that. I don't think like with a South wind and how it all sets up, like, um, you know, it, it depends on the scenario. Like if you're blowing straight into a bedding area where you think they're coming from or straight to the food source where you think they're coming from, like, yeah, that's a bad idea. But if you're hunting like a cross trail, like you're perpendicular, you're setting up perpendicular to a trail that you think they're crossing through to get to that water hole or whatever. 
I see, like, I don't think that's a huge issue at all. I think people get locked into this idea. Like in the early season, we start season, like you guys start in Illinois, October 1st, we start uh, September 14th and or 15th, whatever it is. And then from those, like people are like, all right, I have to be cautious. I have to be careful. I have to, you know, not have, I have to have all these perfect setups. And then all of a sudden, like the pre-rut and the rut comes and people are like, oh no, this all has to be perfect again. And, and, and there's these scenarios like you're talking about as well. You got your time off and uh, you got 10 straight South winds and you can only access your property from the South. So essentially you're walking North the whole time and your sense blowing into your property the entire time, which is how I have our property set up. And -hmm. it's like, I have no other option. You Mm -hmm. have to make it work and you have to figure out, or you got to go hunt public, which, or somewhere else, which other people do uh, will go after and, and make that work. Or you got to get to landowners that'll let you in a different way or whatever it is. But like you said, you have to make it work. And sometimes like one of the prop, one of the pieces I have um, that is one of my new favorite stands ever is great for, uh, I thought, I thought initially it's phenomenal for a, a, a very low, a uh, low speed west wind. I need it to be a low speed west wind because it's down in a valley. So the lower the speed, the less it's going to actually be in the valley. Like if it's mm-hmm. five miles up on top, it's going to be like one down in the bottom. And then yeah. with a west wind, it blows it west and being in the valley, it'll pull it down. So it blows it like downhill and out this valley, like lower. And I need the deer to walk above me on the ridge, which I was like, in my mind, I'm like, yep, that's golden. I pull all the trail cam photos and everything on it. All the deer are coming from the east. So like my wind is blowing down into there. And I thought they'd all be coming from the west, from the center of my property, coming out to the east of the property. It's totally different. So now I'm like, dude, I'll hunt this on an east wind. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like if everything's coming from the east, like and it's an east wind. And I've already picked out other stands in there. Like if I'm in that stand in the morning and I'm getting a great thermal drop, And all of a sudden the wind switches and I need to, or, or the thermals start changing, start moving uphill. And I go from like, it's swirling in there or something. And all of a sudden I'm getting a south wind. I've already picked out multiple trees where I'm going to pull my set, move 50 yards, reset in another tree. And it's going to be able to shoot the same trail, the same scrape, the same water hole, the same everything. I'm just going to move 50 yards at 9am and then I'll move back to the other stand at 4 p.m like that's Dude, I, I think what you're saying though too a lot of people are like oh man this is something i want to talk about too but like people are lazy okay like they don't want to do that <laughs> they don't want to move like they don't want to they want to drive they don't want to walk 200 yards they want to drive their side by side so they're they're within 50 yards of a stand and then a, a deer that they not that they didn't even know is going to walk up to them sees their side by side or their four-wheeler there and they're like well that it's not supposed to be there. I don't think I'm going to walk that way. Like it blows my mind, like the, the, how lazy people are. And I've been seeing this so far in the last couple of weeks out hunting, where there's people that are, have permission on our property or the neighbors, all the, I'm like, it blows my mind that people cannot walk a half a mile or a mile and, or they're not willing to do these things just because they're lazy. Right. Or, but it, I guess it's, everybody has their own things they want to do and the only reasons they hunt um so i mean it it is what it is right if if that if they don't if they're not interested in killing 
a big deer or a mature deer or whatever, they just want to be out there. That's one thing. And I don't really care. People can do whatever they want. Right. But it's the pe- but those same people that are doing it are complaining that they're not seeing the big deer or they're not, they're not killing the big deer or they're jealous of somebody else. Or they're like, you know, or they see what someone else is doing on social media, whatever it looks like. And they're like, man, this is bullshit. And all the deer are dead. Right. Like I said, all, they're all dead. No, there's no PhD like, must've been here. Like, yeah. Right. So like, like if, if you, if you don't care about those results, like I don't care either. Right. Like you do whatever you want, man. You want to hunt out of your side by side, whatever. I don't give a shit. You do whatever you sure. want. If it's legal, do it. But like, if, if you want to do these things, then you got to go the extra distance. Like you're saying, you got to switch stand setups based on wind. Like you, like, Oh yeah, it's going to be a pain taking all my stuff down, moving over here. Like, but if that's the, what it takes to shoot a big deer, like if that's what your goal is, the alternative, do. yeah, and the alternative is let them wind you, yeah, the or a high likelihood of letting them wind you, right? That's the alternative, and it's like, well, I don't, I for sure don't want that. So yeah, right. I will take the twenty minutes to pull my shit down, move fifty yards, and then another 15, 20 minutes to reset my stuff up because that forty minutes that I do that is far better than that, like sitting there and seeing the buck that I'm after, that I've been chasing, that I've been taking all this PTO for, or any buck for that matter. And I've been doing all these things and it's taking time away from yeah. the wife, time off the work, time out of here and all that shit to be like, fuck, I had him at 50 yards. And if I would have moved sooner, yeah. he would have or, not win. Yeah, for I would have entranced this a little bit different. Or like, like, it, it, like people bust their butt all year long with food plots and practicing their bow and buying all this gear and all this stuff. And then it comes down to it and they're like, ah, you're coming in late today to the stand. I got, I, I actually slept in 20 minutes late or like, Oh, uh, it's, it's going to be hot tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm not, you know, tomorrow's supposed to be like 74 degrees. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to hunt tomorrow. Like, right. Do, you, you took these days off to hunt. Like this is the best time of the year to hunt. And you're letting it all fall through your fingertips. Like you just got to grind it out. And if, and listen, if you don't want to do it and you're not right, like, and you get burnout on it, it's not fun. Then that's whatever. Right. Then right. don't but do you it. Can't but you can't complain, but you can't complain. Yes. Then don't complain right. about the results. Right. Like you got to do these extra little things. You got to, it, like, it's going to suck if you want to be like, I don't, I, there's very few things in life I've ever seen where hard work doesn't pay off. Right. Like it's always going to pay off in the end. Right. Like doing all these little things, like it's going to pay off for you. Um, Now there's some things that people can be totally ridiculous about and take way overboard that you don't have to do all like those things necessarily kill a deer. Um, There's a whole list of those things that I have in my mind, but, um, but I'm just saying, (laughs) yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Me too. Right. Like, like all the crazy things, like to get that much better, maybe it helps a little bit, man, but I found ways that I don't necessarily have to do that and worry about all the scent control stuff. Um, but cause there's people that are very like rigorous, right? Washing their clothes every time they hunt or, you know, we're uh, running ozone in their car and while they're driving and stuff, which also uh, stuff I've read on the ozone, those ozone machines, like there's warnings on them that they can cause cancer. Like they're, they're there's like known carcinogens and that stuff when, you put it into a room, you can't sit into it while it runs, but yet people put it in their cars or they're got it up in their tree next to them, which that would blew my mind. You put this thing in your tree and you think it's just going to catch all your scent and like, just make it disappear. Like, like 
there was there's so many gimmicks out there in the hunting world that they just prey upon people that want to kill big bucks or the, the lure to kill the big bucks. People want it so bad that they're willing to do whatever easy thing gets them there. And there's no easy thing to get you there. That's right. that's the best advice. There's no easy thing to get you. There's no tool. There's no thing that's going to give you the big buck. Yeah, dude, it's it's not. You know, and I have three buddies who purchased Ozonics. And in the year that they purchased it, they were very happy with it, right? They were like, dude, this thing's awesome. And then as the year went on, they were like, all right, so it's awesome, but it's not great in any swirly winds like like hills and valleys. It's great for straight line like marsh hunting. Like then you're then you're pretty solid, no terrain changes or anything like that. They're like, it's good there. But then like as the years have gone on, just with batteries and recharging and the setup of the thing and carrying it out there, like they've just slowly like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm it. just gonna play the wind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just it, like it, it, yeah. And I was that guy. I was trying all these things out, but I had to learn them all the hard way. Right. And it just goes back, like go back to the basics and, and just throw your wind in a direction that the deer most likely aren't going to come from. You know what? Sometimes they're going to bust you. Sometimes they're going to come from a direction it happened to my buddy today. I sent him in a spot where um, it's a slammer spot and he hadn't been there before. And I'm explaining how to get there this morning and explaining what a red Oak looks like and all these things. And this is exact tree and pins and all this good stuff. And he gets in the tree. And the first thing he says, like, man, I'm getting busted by all these deer. I'm like, well, I know the wind, where are they coming from? And he tells me, I'm like, wow, I never seen deer come from that direction. So that makes sense why they would bust you. Like, I'm, like I, don't, I would never expect them to come from that direction, but guess what? Like we said earlier in the podcast, deer do crazy shit and things that they shouldn't normally do. They're animals. They, they, for whatever reason, they come right. from different directions and that stuff happens. And sometimes for yeah. the good, I mean, sometimes for the bad. How many times have you been in the woods and seen a, a solid buck, like a more mature deer or even a more mature doe, not take a, a standard deer trail? They like meander oh. off and to do whatever the frick they feel like doing. Yeah. yeah. Right. It happens all the time. I mean, it seems like a lot of these guys who are killing bucks, I I, I got to hear your story on this buck. I really want to hear it. And this is just great conversation. Like these bucks come in and they're like, they might have been on a trail, but they'll get to you. And then they'll like meander and take their time and move left and move right. And then move left mm -hmm. again. Like even the buck that Chad killed on our property, he was like, dude, the thing came in and all of a sudden he just like appeared at 30 yards, 30, 33, 35 yards. And then he meandered in like, it's like an eighth of an acre. It's, it's like a, a 20 yard, 30 yard by 30 yard space for almost 20 minutes and just like bopped around in there, not on any deer trails, just bopped around, sniffing around, eating acorns, whatever. And then eventually mm -hmm. presented the shot, but it's like that stuff. People, people tend to think that like, oh, the deer is going to come in on this trail and work on this trail and they're going to do this and do that and hit this scrape and then move on. And that's like text textbook. But yeah, the reason sometimes. people are like, oh, textbook hunt is because it doesn't, it's not very often. Right. That's the ride. That's why it's special. People are like, oh, dude, it was yeah. a textbook setup, you know, exactly mm -hmm. how you'd expect it to be. Same reason, same thing with bass fishing, walleye fishing, all that shit. You're like, dude, there should be a fish here. You pitch your lure in there and there ain't a goddamn fish. <laughs> right. Like, why yep. not? Yeah, exactly. And it happens with deer hunting too. You know, mm -hmm. unless you go to Canada, then fishing is just yeah. kind of like, yeah, there should be a yeah. bass there. Yep, there is. Got them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, tell me, tell me about, tell me about the bug you shot the other day. Yeah. And for everybody, well, oh, for everybody listening, I haven't done any sort of intro on this. You mind if I do an intro quick? We're, yeah, yeah. we're only 50 minutes in. <laughs> Wait, how many? Five zero four. Oh, wow. Wow. 50. We All started, right. it's 920 now and we started at like 840. Yeah. Yeah. About I guess 40 so. Minutes. Yeah. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast. I got Grant Oldenburg on. Oldenburg on. Good buddy from college. Dude's like recently, he was a big duck hunter. Um, I knew he liked, loved chasing those things, but he recently switched to bow hunting a few years ago. Um, and now he's just been laying down hammers year over year, way better than I've been doing. And I like to have him on because it makes me uh, makes me feel better about uh, about talking to him and hearing his stories and everything. So yeah, got Grant on, and for everybody listening as well, um, just uh, just real quick, the store, the Deer Vein store, is open. So you will you can go into the store. We got hoodies, we got t-shirts, we got hats. Um, that's the first three options we're doing. We're trying not to try not trying not to do a lot of options. The hoodie. Uh, again, for everybody listening to the last podcast, just to reiterate, I got all the pieces of clothing. I got eight pieces of each item. I tried them all on. I wore them all for a week, things like that. I picked the best ones that I liked the most. Um, and I tried to do made in America, but honestly, the made in America stuff was the least comfortable. So I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to sacrifice the comfort. Like I was like, all right, like I, I would love to do these shirts, but they're just not comfortable and they're far more expensive. So we're, we're starting out with, with some, with some China t-shirts and some China hoodies, but they're fantastic. They're very comfortable. Um, so check those out. Um, if you guys would, and then also if you don't have Onyx maps, check out Onyx maps, check out vector custom shop. They make phenomenal air arrows, get everything that you guys want. Do you shoot vector grant? Yep. I feel yep. like, yeah, I feel like you do. What you am guys I? Are actually uh, pretty close five. To Let's see yeah yeah and actually um uh i i know some guys that work there um yeah. the owner actually married uh, a girl i went to school with in high school no shit isaac did uh, yeah isaac did so um so yeah i mean i i didn't realize this when i first bought their arrows but um yeah and um, a kid that i grew up going to church with now is working there full time um cam oh, i don't know awesome. if you know cam bates but uh yeah i i was just counting them up there i think i fired um i fired five of those at let me count this up again one two yeah five of those have been fired at deer and elk they've all been pass throughs and dead animals so that's awesome. definitely like the vectors yeah so vector arrows like go check those guys out if you guys need some arrows um and then lastly venado they make lifestyle apparel um for for the hunter for the outdoorsman they support outdoor the outdoors uh hung out with mitch a few times over the summer big archery guy loves to hunt um he runs the company he makes you know t-shirts hats long sleeves henleys uh pants concealed carry items things like that so go check out venado if you guys uh if you guys haven't um great actually venado is a phenomenal christmas uh, store. So go check those guys out for Christmas gear. They have some fantastic like winter apparel, super warm flannels, things like that, that uh, my wife loves to wear them. So if you're looking for your girl, like the flannels are, are fantastic. Like I can't recommend those enough. Um, all right. So with that, there's the intro. Um, I think are you going on... to chop that and put it at the beginning? No, <laughs> no, nope. I'm going to leave, hopefully someone I'm gonna leave 50 it. minutes. 
<laughs> I'm going to leave so it right, right where it is, Grant. <laughs> I le- I personally, I enjoy the podcasts that just kind of like get into it and you listen to it. And then like the intro kind of comes when it naturally comes. And we had a kind of a natural break there because I am want to transition over to the uh, the story. Mm-hmm. And I also like from listening to the meat eater a lot. Like they're, they're always like, Oh, here's a transition for you. You know, they always do those, but some of them, God, I'm so disappointed with some of their transitions. Now you're going to like, listen to this and hear it. Like Steve will ask a question. The guy will give a response or whoever's on it, give a response. Steve won't even acknowledge the response and just ask another question. And I'm like, dude, come on. That's a, that's a real hard, like cliffhanger transition there. Like I, if you guys pride yourself on transition, it needs to freaking flow. Um, so anyway, I had to break up that transition with the intro. And now yeah. I want to hear about what is this? Your fourth waterhole buck? Uh, yeah. Fourth waterhole buck. Yep. The fourth waterhole. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this one, uh, the a buck I shot, actually the first buck I shot over waterhole. This was the exact same tree exact same setup and exact same wind um except for this was in the morning so this was sunday morning um i kicked off my rotation friday and a half day it rained it was shitty rained uh, i got soaking wet um you hunt you hunted i did threw did my rain gear anything? on and no no dude i don't I, soaked. I have i have very like I want to say negative, but I have very, uh, yeah, negative feelings about hunting in the rain, not because I don't think deer will move. I think deer will move in the rain, but because if you shoot one and it's not a great shot or something slips or whatever it is, like it's a really hard track at that point. So I'm going to, that's a great transition. Anthony, because <laughs> I'm going to yes. talk about some, uh, some, some tracking stuff. Cause my shot didn't go so well on this deer, but I'm not scared of the rain. I'll hunt in the rain. I have no, I have no worries about, uh, trying to track down a deer in the rain because I have a dog that can do it. And I know a guy that will track down a deer. And I have, I, unless it's like, you're going to get inches of rain, right. I'm talking like two, three, four plus inches of rain. Then you're going to have some issues. But if it's just a regular rain, like I have confidence that I'm, we're going to find this deer. And I don't even care about blood trail. Like, there doesn't need to be a blood trail. I know these yeah. dogs are going to find it. Um, okay, so hold on. You got to pause there for a second. So uh-huh. looking at, like, I don't – okay. So, like, weather.com or Wonderground or whatever does – I mean, it kind of gives you general – but, like, if you're talking what is acceptable – to uh to track and versus what is going to wash all that scent away like um are you saying i mean just like like a nice steady so um and i I don't think you're ever gonna like wash scent away right and i I do a lot of things with dogs my dog and do a lot of hunting with him and and go back to like scent control stuff whenever i try like these scent free things he would come up and just bury his nose in my hunting clothes and i'm like okay obviously these things don't work. He obviously just has a scent yeah. to it because he's just smelling me like I'm wearing nose jammer, but I'm not, you know, I'm wearing this thing that's supposed to kill scent. And he's the first thing he does is just jam his nose like everywhere around me. And I know he's not sniffing just me. He's sniffing whatever I put on me. So yeah. like 
My so, dog, I, I want to interrupt just real quick. When yeah. I will grab my hunting clothes out of my garage and put them in my truck, my dog knows that I touched my hunting clothes. He yeah. he has a very distinct, he's like, what you doing? Where are you going? Yep. Come here. Come yep. on. Can I come with? What do you, what, what, why, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? So literally mm-hmm. I let him out the back door and I will let him go pee and I will wear my sweatpants and I'll be in pajamas and whatever. I'll let him out the door. And I will run my ass out to the garage. Get all your stuff. Get all my shit in my truck before I let yeah. him back in. And even then, Same here. it's like, I know. I know yep. that. <laughs> yep, for sure. Anyway, sorry. So. Yeah. And no, so yeah. So um, like, so I don't know if you're ever just going to wash it all away. Right. But like, if, 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 if you have a, a, a path and there's water that's running down it, like that's a pretty good indication that it's going to probably wash away a lot of things, uh, including your scent. Right. But if it's just a nice steady rain, like I'm thinking like, um, how do I put this This is like the type of rain where, um, the ground just soaks it up. Right. And like, you don't have a ton of puddles everywhere and it's not coming down super hard, super fast. Right. And I'm talking, you know, when, when like a, sometimes a steady rain all day, doesn't really amount to much right you walk outside and the ground's really not that squishy just kind of soaked all up like though to me right i'm not like a complete expert on this but to me like those i'm not worried about those when i'm hunting okay like if it's okay i'll sit in one of my box blinds or whatever like if it's just a regular rain a a nice steady rain i'm not worried about that washing that's a a great that's a great like i can understand that i can understand but if if it's like pouring two things one like I, I don't i i don't have a lot of good experiences with deer moving when it's pouring and crappy out so i like i'm probably not going to be out there during that i'll be out there if it's going to end sooner it's a quick one and waiting for it to end um and that's if i have a nice thing over my head if it's just steady rain i can hunt in that too but then all your gear gets wet it's just a pain dry it all out like i take care of my shit i don't just go throw it in around and let it smell and stay wet and things rust or whatever right but um anyway so it i don't like hunting that heavy rain stuff either deer don't necessarily like moving in it based on what my experience what i've seen but um when it's a nice steady rain sometimes you'll, i'll see deer um doing things that are abnormal and moving abnormally right when when is that rain so I, that just doesn't bother me because i i know what my dogs can track it down maybe not necessarily mine but i also got a guy that tracks for me that i got complete confidence in his dog um, so Sunday morning, um, I got all week to hunt. I'm off all this, all week and next weekend. Um, so right to the heart of it. So was that Sunday was like, what the sixth or something, I think. Yeah. November 6th. Um, I, I had great movement all morning. I'm sitting on a water hole. Um, my cell camera's on that water hole. And if you're going by what was on that cell camera, you'd think all the deer are dead. None are moving. It's a terrible day. It's going to be warm. Like it's not a good day, but there's deer moving everywhere around me. I'm on a ridge system. Uh, I'm seeing several bucks chasing does, um, seeing several does being bedded down and it's buck coming. Um, and I didn't know who he was. I, I didn't recognize him. We have several nice three and a half year olds, but our property is just lacking a good four and a half year old this year. Um, so I've been waiting all season to see one just come up during the run or just pop up a new one from somewhere. The neighbor's deer. 
and none of them showed up. And this one I didn't recognize. And I always saw that he was wide and he ended up not being as wide as I thought he was. Right. But he was still, um, he was st he's still a good deer, but um, it, I was like, okay, he's coming at me. This is going to be a quick thing. He's not going to, it doesn't look like he's going to stop at this water hole. Um, if, if the route he's taken. Um, and if he and does, is, I'm sorry, you said, so Friday, I, and I, you may have cut out just a little bit, but Friday was the rain. Yep. The half day rain. Is this Saturday or Sunday or Monday or this when? This was Sunday morning. Sunday I can't morning. Remember what okay. Saturday. Is it rain Saturday? Yeah, it was a, uh, it wasn't was awful Saturday. Saturday. No. I can't remember. It, it was really Saturday. bad Thursday and Friday for rain around us. Thursday, Friday. Yes, yes, yes. Saturday was a, was an okay day. I can't remember where I hunted on Saturday, but I know I hunted. It wasn't Saturday. This was Sunday morning. Okay. I now, now I got you. Trying to remember. What's yeah, I don't know where I hunted Saturday, but I definitely hunted Saturday for most. <laughs> it of all the, blurs together. The day, yeah. I don't. I'm just trying to think like what I did. But anyways, um, Sunday morning. Yes, it was Sunday morning. Um, and the way he was coming, he was kind of coming at a trot, and if he was gonna, he got to a point where I decided I was gonna shoot him. So I'm getting ready. And there's this huge oak tree that had fallen and died a couple of years ago. So just the top lays there. And it acts like this perfect blocker on one side of me um, to where I can draw on deer. And, um, and so he starts going behind this. And so I get ready and I draw. And he has the opportunity to walk to the water hole and loop around it. So go downwind of it and come to the water hole. And he may have been doing that. But I had a shooting lane. And that's right where I walked in. And so it was, I knew when he hit that, like there's a possibility he could, he could catch my ground, my boots, my, my ground scent. Um, if he came up towards the water hole, like he was already at 15, going to be at 15 yards. So any closer, like didn't matter. Right. Like I, I was just going to stop him right there. So I draw back, he gets to my hole and I stop him. And when I stopped him, he, he, he was broadside. But then when I stopped him, he turned his head to look behind him and he curled his shoulders in and covered up all of his vitals with like his head. And so I couldn't shoot. Um, and so then he went to take off again and I stopped him again because my window to shoot is very narrow here. And if he gets back behind me, um, I got a bunch of brush and I really don't have any shots unless he's directly behind me. And he wasn't taking that path like he was going to go back behind this brush and out of my life forever. And so I stop him a second time. And when he stopped the second time, when he had turned that first time to look behind him, he didn't keep walking straight. He kind of angled the direction like he turned his shoulders, right? So now he's more quartering to me. And I didn't recognize that at the time, right? Because he was broadside and he just took a step forward. But when he had his head turned, right, he just followed that that natural line of just turning his shoulders. He didn't turn his head back and then keep walking straight. He just kind of angled a little bit more. Okay. So now he's quartering to me. Does that make sense? No, so, but bottom line is he's quartering. He was, he had his yeah. head covering up his vitals and now he kind of took a step and he's quartering to yep. me a little bit. Yep. It, and so I didn't recognize that. And so like, I'm fully in, in a conscious state. Like I'm not blacking out. Like Dude, when you're, like, when you're looking through your peep, it's hard to, 
it's hard to like see all this stuff through a peep. And you know? I just seen him move the same direction. And so I'm assuming he's staying in the same line. Like he didn't change the route he was going, but one step forward or one step to your left completely changes the angle of your body. Right. Yeah. When you, when you're like, if you're on your hands and knees and you go forward or you take a 45 degree with one leg, right? Like that's what he did. He turned and I, I just didn't, he moved forward is what I saw. Right. It, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't notice it. Um, and so I'm fully in a conscious state. Like I know exactly where I'm aiming and I shoot and I see my arrow hit him. And I was like, instantly, like I hit exactly where I wanted or not. It was a little bit off from where I wanted it. I hit it and I said, shit, that like that arrow just came out in a bad spot. Mm. so i hit him dead center like like you take a deer and you just put it dead center of it sideways i hit him right there except for he's quartering to me so right so you're punching in like back of lungs and whatnot and out of guts so like best case scenario i have a lung liver guts worst case scenario all i have are guts right like i'm in that zone right there and my arrow blew through him the first shot um and upon further investigation it, it entered in behind the liver i missed the liver had nothing but guts and it went straight through his his back ham so i got a full pass through um basically like center of the deer all the way through its back ham um like through, he acts through bone or no um well we cut I mean, there's not a lot of bone in that back ham like i don't i didn't hit like the, the main bone i didn't right. really pay attention to it when we were cutting it up but right. i'm pretty sure i didn't hit the main bone back there okay um but still a full pass through um right. and he acts like nothing happens he just kind of like walks maybe 10 yards and stops and so i knocked another arrow but remember when I said if he got behind me, he was going to be behind brush? Well, he's yeah. behind this Tatarian honeysuckle bushes. But he's like five yards behind this bush. And I'm like, well, he's standing there. I'm going to send another arrow. Um, so I shoot, shoot through the brush. I shoot. And I see he like kicks and he starts running away. He runs hard for like 20 yards. And then he just kind of st- slows down. And he's just dragging his entire back leg. Like he can't. He can't, He's just dragging it. He's moving slow, and I watch him kind of fade away into the brush at like 60 yards. Um, so it's a 7:45. So immediately I know, bad shot, potentially hit him a second shot, and I get down on the tree. I'm like, I'm gonna get down. I'm gonna get out of here because I know it's bad. So I grab my first arrow. It's got good blood on it all the way through. It looked like liver blood at the time, um, but in hindsight, it was blood, muscle blood. Yeah. I go grab my second arrow and I see where he was standing, just a pile of blood, which made me excited. I was like, well, maybe I hit an artery. Um, but uh, I still like that blood right there. With, I shoot a uh, an Ashby 315 grain broadhead. It's two blade, single bevel. They don't bleed a whole lot. There was more blood there than all the animals I've killed on a blood trail. I swear to God, like there was blood everywhere. Um, so I thought potentially maybe it'll do that. Exactly. Right. So, and I knew that too. I was like, well, potentially an artery, but more than likely, like it's probably muscle. Um, so I pick up my second arrow and it's, it's got white hair on it and a few drops of blood, but 
with those back that wrap around the vector arrows around those hammer their hammer arrows like you know if it goes through a deer like this did yeah. not go through a deer so i'm like i i'm kind of confused i'm like this hit something but i don't like i don't know what, quite what yet so i go back to the house and immediately i call a, a tracker a dog tracker that i i used in the past and we start talking this through and we, we come to the conclusion of like our my arrow we think maybe went through because i'm at I'm, I'm 20 feet in the air at 15 yards maybe it went through exited the stomach hits a leg breaks a leg well um he suggests give it 12 hours and um he said go ahead and see if you can track it yourself um and then if you can't find it if you jump it or whatever then we'll come and we'll, we'll pick up the trail he's like but i i think it's probably going to be dead so I go, I'm hanging all day with the kids, like just trying to like, you know, not think about it. Yeah. I don't do something, but I'm doing nothing. I don't know. And so seven 30 that night hits and my father-in-law go out there and we find, you know, we go to that spot where all the blood is and then we start tracking it and the blood's like gone. Right. So like muscle blood, there's a bunch of it right away, but then there's hardly any. So it's a tough track and we go about 170 yards and all of a sudden I hear, we're, we're tracking down this big ravine and it's going and there's at the bottom of there's a dry creek bed in, the, in this big ravine and we're walking alongside of it and we're kind of like losing blood it's been slow all night going and all of a sudden i hear him get up next to me he's down inside this creek bed like six yards from me holy and God. and so like completely dark right like nothing you can do in this situation so he gets up and he Climbs up, he can barely climb out of this thing. And I mean, I could have ran him down and, and stabbed him, you know, like, it, like he was moving slow. And so I knew he was, he was hurt bad. And I can hear him just dragging his, I can hear him just crashing through everything, right? It just sounds like he's just trying to run into shit. Like it's just a ton of noise. Yeah. Uh, and it goes on for about 100 yards. And we're like, all right, let's get out of here. And, and I am just like so like angry at every part of that situation. One, like that I jumped him, that I made a poor shot that I, um, maybe I should have let him, I, I didn't want the coyotes to get him. So I was like, I'm going to go in after 12 hours. Um, maybe I should, and so now I'm thinking maybe I should have left him overnight and went in the next morning, like, cause I know the deer is going to die, right? Like I put an arrow through its gut that's going to die. It's just a matter of where it's going to die at. Right. Yeah. So, Set up a point with a tracker. He comes, he, he had a track already set up for that morning and he's shows up at 11 o'clock the next day. Right. So I shot yeah. 74, 745 on Sunday. He shows up at 11 o'clock Monday and we, I take him down to where the, the buck had laid down and a dog's name's diesel. And my dog tracks too. Cause he probably would have found this deer too. <laughs> But hold, hold on a um, second. You said my dog tracks too, and then you cut out. Yeah, my dog tracks deer as well. Uh, and I, I took him on a. I usually let him go on like slam dunks. Like sure. I see the deer go down, and then I let him track it so he finds it. Uh, and he's found a couple that like didn't necessarily know for people where they're at, but I don't have that much confidence in him. Like if I have a big deer down, like, and I don't want to mess it up because the thing is, when you have if you're calling a dog tracker, they want the cleanest freshest trail right if 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 you're out there grid searching or you take another dog out there and you're trying to you know your, your farm dog and you think he can find dead stuff and he's out there running around 
all this does is make it extremely difficult. All right. So that's why I called the tracker immediately before I even tracked it, <clears throat> because that's, that's the situation they want. They want a fresh track and they're very confident in their dogs and finding that on a fresh track. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I didn't want to take my dog and he gets so amped up that like sometimes he'll go right to that deer and he'll follow it. And other times I don't know what he's doing. He's just dragging me somewhere. <laughs> like he knows what he's doing. And then it's like, dude, like that's not even close to the direction of the deer one. Like what the hell's going on? So it's like, I don't know what to like think sometimes it's like yeah. sometimes he's on sometimes he's way off. Right. So, um, so I don't, in this situation, like I'm going to call a guy and, and he's, if he can make it over, um, and he, this is all the guy does, right? He travels around just four tracks, three to four tracks every day, like during the rut. And he's tracking daily for people in general. Um, so that's how you have a good tracking dog. I don't have the time. I'd rather hunt than go track for other people, but that's how you get a good tracking dog. Right. Yeah. And so anyways, we set him on this right where he bedded down and the dog, I don't even think put his nose to the ground. He's got his nose up in the air and I can tell he smells the deer already. And he just takes us another 150 yards maybe and the deer's right there laying dead in the creek bottom um coyotes didn't get to him so it's all good but like the biggest thing about that and i there's so many people i think that lose deer because they aren't willing to wait right like something to remember is like dead deer don't go anywhere right they're dead like they're always they're gonna right. be there where they fell they're gonna be in that first bet so if you and the other thing too is people need to be honest with themselves on where they hit that deer. Like I, everybody's always like, I hit him right behind the shoulder. Well, if you hit him right behind the shoulder, you would have watched it tip over. Right. Like right. you would have heard it fall over 60 yards. Like you wouldn't be a hundred yards into a track and not be able to find this thing. Right. Like the blood would look different. Like people aren't honest with themselves or they don't see it or however that may work, but right. like they just don't give themselves an opportunity. Cause like had we went, an hour after this, like I'm, that deer would have had enough energy and strength. And we probably would just bumped it. It would have died eventually, but I don't know if we would have ever found it. Um, so giving it that extra time was key. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other thing I talked about with that, that dog track, the tracker is arrow setups. And I shoot an extremely heavy arrow. Um, I, a lot of people actually like were giving me shit about how heavy an arrow I was shooting. I'm shooting, my arrow weights over 900 grains. I have a 315 grain broadhead. My bow went from shooting 290 feet per second to 206. So it's, it's a uh, slow, it, it's arches like, but I don't shoot over 40 yards. I'm not going to shoot an animal over 40 yards. Um, so I was like, I was like, well, maybe my next setup, maybe I'll go a little bit lighter. Like there's a lot of, there's a, like, this has become a really hot topic in the hunting world. Like how heavy of an arrow to shoot. And the thing, one thing that tracker told me is that he said, I wish everybody shot an arrow like yours because they would make my life a lot easier. He said, the majority of our tracks are expandables, are light arrow setups, um, and they're not making it all the way through the deer. They're not, they're not getting that penetration they need. Um, and so I think that was another big thing is that arrow was able to go all the way through that deer. And then that second shot that I talked about going through that yeah. brush, what it ended up happening is it nicked the stomach and then it took out his rear uh, Achilles tendon. 
So it it deflected through that. It hits the bottom of his stomach, and which the angle I don't know how this all happened, but it because def- of where he was standing is kind of weird. But and where it like he would have been having to quarter to me again for this angle to happen. Obviously, my arrow deflected because he was 100% broadside and where he was at on the trail. And the arrow deflected, obviously, hit him in the stomach and then took out his Achilles attendant. So that also played a big role in it is that he yeah. couldn't go anywhere, right? So in Heinz, like, that probably is why I found him as well is, like, he was dragging his back leg. Like, I when I went to cut him up tonight, I had to hang him by the head because he couldn't hang him by his legs, right, because that tendon was completely gone yeah um okay so so i like those were a couple of things that played into it um but you know it now after shooting my elk and getting a complete pass through with my elk i've shot four different deer complete pass throughs with them and i've shot through shoulder blades uh, offside shoulder blades that blew through a, a doe shoulder blade on the offside this um a couple weeks ago the angle that i um that arrow went through that deer a couple days ago that buck um i'm gonna stick with it and a lot of people think it's whatever but i, I don't really care i guess because i know it works for me and like i was before this year i was still debating going more of like the 600 grain route between five and 600 and, and getting a little more arrow speed and, and getting a little bit flatter trajectory but i think this solidified it for me that i'm gonna stay heavy on it um but those two things i think my arrow setup got them and definitely my waiting for it was why I found that deer. Like there's a, there's a lot of things I could have done wrong in there to not get them. And I made the shot was exact. It was pretty close to where I wanted to put it. It was a little bit further back or to the right than where I'd aimed, but I just didn't read the angle, which is something I need to get better at too, is uh, the old thing is always like it burned in my head from growing up when I was little is like, shoot it it's behind the shoulder, behind the shoulder, behind the shoulder. Right. And I, with my arrow set up, right. And that was the thing too, is like, don't mess with the shoulder. You can't like when you're, when years ago, before I knew anything about archery equipment and everything that was like, you can't hit him in the shoulder. Like you'll never kill a deer there. Right. Like you gotta, you gotta hit him back in the lungs. And with the arrow set up, I have, like, I, I need to, it, it's just something mentally in the moment I, I can tell myself and I know it, but just, I have to somehow switch mentally when there's a deer in front of me to forget everything that you told yourself for the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. All right. So yeah, a lot, uh, a lot to take, a lot to take in. I wanted to let you <laughs> roll on that one. Um, first of all, I, I, I agree. I agree to a degree that you want to pass through. I, I, a hundred percent certainty you want to pass through. Um, you know, growing up and being being a kid, I was always like, well, maybe you want the broadhead in them so that it kind of like grinds away at whatever's in there. And that yeah. still might be true, but two holes is better than one, especially for tracking. So you want to pass through. And if you're not passing through and even, you know, I have I have friends who have like their girlfriends or their wives hunt and they're setting them up with, you know, a 280 grain arrow like, dude, no, give them like a 600 or. Like, mm-hmm. like they need the weight to pass through. Well, they lose speed. That's, that's okay. That it's, it's okay. Cause like, if you're shooting a 200 freaking grain arrow and you're shooting it at whatever, 200 feet per second, like, dude, you're, you're essentially going to like get five inches of penetration. 
or eight inches. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to hope that the arrow gets deep enough to get one lung. <laughs> like right. that's like what's going on in some of those scenarios. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, just like, you're going to want to like give them, it's the opposite of what you think. Like people are like, I need it to go faster so that it gets in deeper. And it's actually opposite. You need it to go slower and be heavier to get in deeper. Like you need that hit. So I agree. And I shoot, you know, I haven't had, I passed through full pass through on my elk um, a couple of years ago with this setup, which, you know, 75 pounds shooting, I think it's 540 grain arrow um, and a 31 inch draw. Like I, I have that luxury of a longer draw. I get like 10, 20 extra feet per second on that plus 75 pounds plus 550 grain arrow or whatever it is. Like it's pretty freaking, it's pretty freaking lethal. So I'm, I'm happy with that. 900 grains. I like, I don't care. Like at that point, I think you're, I, I think you're like, what I want to say, like it's, it's all sorts of extra power, but if you're okay with the pin gaps, then who's, who's to say, who's to say nay about it. Like, I don't care until you have a problem, like missing high or low, like that's, it's not a problem. Right. And same with like people who are like, oh yeah, well I 10 ring them every time. I just only get, you know, one hole in them and I get one lung. And most of the time they die, sometimes they don't, sometimes they live forever. Like you, deer can live a long time on one lung. Humans can mm-hmm. live a long time on one lung. So I, I, you know, at the end of the day, like you want those two holes. I think that's really important. The, the, uh, the part about leaving them lay a hundred percent, man. And I, and I've been on this like kick on the podcast this year, especially with the, like two of the bucks we had, we called in trackers like Parker's buck, Chad's buck. We called in trackers. I had talked to another dude who called in a tracker, um, just not on a podcast, but if you're, if you shoot a good deer or, or doe, whatever, if you shoot a deer that you want to recover and you're not a hundred percent certain of the shot, like, and you don't watch that deer drop in 50 yards, like go check, go take a look around, look at the arrow, take a look at the blood, whatever, like, you know, maybe go to that spot where you last saw that deer and go another 20, 30, 40 yards and see what you can see. But don't like, if you're still not seeing anything after a hundred yards, like that deer is not double lung hit or it's very, very, very unlikely that it's double lung hit. Like, like, like you said, don't fool yourself. If you're going a hundred yards and that deer ain't dead, it's mm-hmm. something went funny and it, you can, you know, say all the excuses you want, but the fact is, is that it ain't dead under a hundred yards. It's probably not a double lung shot. Like that's just right. what it is. So you need mm-hmm. to, you, so you need to back out. And at that point, like, you know, the only, the only reason you wouldn't call a tracker is if the hundred dollars or $150 that it costs you is too expensive for you. You can't afford it. Like mm-hmm. that's the only reason you wouldn't. And a lot of these trackers, like if you call them and like explain them the situation and be like, dude, I don't even, ha- I, I like, I can't throw you 150 bucks. I could throw you a hundred bucks, like, or 70 bucks or something. Like, that's what I got. Like I could throw that to you. A lot of these trackers yeah. will do it off morals. Off morals. A lot of them just do it for tips too. Like they just, they don't give you a price. Like the guy I right. call, he just, he doesn't say that I just do it for tips. And I, I take care of him, but like, you know, like yeah. he doesn't give you a price. So you're like, what, like you said, like do what you can do what you think it's worth. At you know? least call them right yeah. at the very least call them. Cause they don't charge you anything for talking to them. Oh yeah. Right. And they love this stuff. They love doing it. They want to like, know every yeah. tracker I've ever called says, 
yeah, this is what I think. Please call me back and let me know the outcome. Yeah. Right. They all want to know because it only makes them better. Yeah. So 199%. Like, you know, if, if you're unsure, and this is what Tim kill said when I had a podcast with him last year, I don't know what podcast number it is, but if you search like dear vein, Tim kill, um, there is a podcast. Let me see if I can look it up. It was like, uh, I forget which one it was, but, um, hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. Blood tracking dogs, Tim kill, uh, 97 number 97. If you want to go check that out, that is a phenomenal podcast. Tim dives into all this stuff. And he's like, when you're unsure back out and call me, like, that's just what he says. And all you have to do is go to like blood trackers, united.org or just Google yeah. blood Tr- trackers, united people will yep. pop up. You just call them and talk to mm-hmm. them. I can't, I cannot, uh, overemphasize that enough. And the p- two guys, Chad and Parker, who I brought, introduced them to that. They're like, yeah, any deer that I ever lose at any point in time, or I'm unsure about, I will call a tracker now. Like I never yeah. did it before, but there's absolutely literally zero reason not to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. For so, sure. A hundred percent. Like let them lay. If you're unsure, call a tracker, get their opinion, maybe go look for them like you did. But then when he, when he takes off that second time, you bump them, you got to leave that track alone. Like at yep. that point, you're like, all right, I tried. Like on my own, I need to pay the hundred bucks or I need to give the guy this a good tip to get out here. And those dogs will track like up to 48 hours. So like they'll oh, yeah. get there at some point, I mean, you know, sometimes even later. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you, besides those two points, what do you think, you know, this, you were kind of sitting like a water hole and we called it another water hole buck, but you're mm-hmm. kind of like, well, maybe he's kind of coming in. Maybe he's not. We'll never know. Are you just, is that water hole? like on like a pinpoint or a trail system like how did it's that on a, it's on the top of of a ridge it's within like a ridge system right of a bunch of different ravines that go down to a river um so it's on top of this of like this of, of a ridge so they um the bucks will cruise there there's there's these deer bed up and down these ridges right all over on the tops of them on the sides of them so those deer are just cruising through there and we just happen to own a 10 acre chunk on this ridge system that is phenomenal and it has great access into it and it connects to all these other fingers and ridges where these deer like to hide and and so they just cruise up and down them really so the, the water is more so just to get them to concentrate in a spot within that ridge right because like you said they're they, deer can just go everywhere and that's what they do yeah. is just kind of it, it it's kind of like a big timber situation i mean it's not like dogs of acres of public or something in a national forest but like it's a big timber type setting big woods type setting where they just kind of go wherever they want so it's kind of helps concentrate them a little bit um and get them to stop there and, and take a drink um and so you could set up on there with, with i think without water but like um it's hit or miss whether or not you're going to be on the right on the right trail because they're going to take a bunch of different directions so um that water is kind of like that point source that beacon like regardless of if you're on trail a b c d e or f like Mm -hmm. this is the water that you can come to yep yep yeah and they were moving all around so i mean that's where i like to set them up you know is is it within an area like it's already a good spot right? It's already like a funnel or a transition or a, like maybe a pinch. If it's a super tight pinch you, and you can shoot 
the whole pinch, then obviously you don't need this. But if it's a pinch that's 100 yards wide, well, this helps get them to a location where you can get a shot on it or have several trails that well, they'll come to on it. So, Got it. Okay. So then, you know, with all that, are you, were you intending what time you shot it at like 730? 745. Yeah. 745. Good morning. Okay. Um, so then with that, were you intending on sitting there in that same spot all day or was that? Just yeah. Like, I had uh, a Southwest wind um, and it was going to be like that all day long and I had packed food and everything and I had planned on sitting there all day long. It was going to be an all day sit. Um, I, um, depending if on wind, depending on, uh, location, if I'm sitting like a bedding, like a doe bedding area, I'm not probably going to sit that all day long. Right. Um, dep- uh, I shouldn't say never once in a while I may, but for the most part, I'm just not going to sit there the entire day. I'm going to sit there for the first half of the day. Um, and then I'm probably going to find somewhere else or find something else in the midday. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but like well, a transition you... funnel or pinch, like November 5th, November to like November 10th, November 12th. Like I'm trying to sit as many full days as I can. If it works out that way. Yeah. No. And, and back to our point earlier, like if you sit a bedding area and, and you're there at, at before the sun comes up a half hour before the sun comes up, and you're there until, you know, noon and nothing's gone into that bedding area, like to bed, you know, you might be sitting in a dead zone, right? Yeah, Whereas it, if you're in yeah. a pinch or a travel corridor, or like you're saying, this ridge system where the deer just kind of, you know, shoot east to west or north to south or whatever it is throughout mm-hmm. at any point in time, like then at that point, it can happen at any time because they're not coming to that area for a specific reason. They're just like passing through. Right. right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of a mental thing too, right? You like, you lose confidence over time. And mm-hmm. unless, you know, like I said last year, I knew this deer was coming in there all the time. I had evidence that he was coming at different times of the day and morning and evenings. And so like, that's different. Then I'm be willing to sit there all day. But if I'm just sitting there on a hunch or I'm just, I'm not hunting a particular deer, I'm just hunting an area for a deer. Right. Or, or just um, hoping that a big deer is going to utilize that doe bedding area and check it like well yeah noon hits one o'clock hits i'm probably out of there gonna go find a different spot right if i haven't seen a different yeah find a different bedding area another another water hole some other spot where you're gonna be taking a shit you're gonna climb up in your box plane you're gonna shoot one like last year yep yep (laughs) exactly (laughs) hot as shit don't know what's yep. going on. Ah, fuck it. I'll just sit in here. Oh my God. There's one. <laughs> yeah. Like yep. that's, dude, yep. that's what the rut is all about. And that's why yeah. people love it so much. Exactly. man. that that thing that like, you can just be sitting there just like, Oh my God, it's so hot or it's so cold or like whatever the case is. And you're totally out of it mentally. And all of a sudden, bam, there they are. Right. And like right? your whole season, your whole, it, it, to some people it might be their whole life or their whole hunting career just changed within, 10 seconds and you have 10 seconds to get your bow get ready or they're gone forever right like it's that quick and then like it things can happen that fast during the rut that's that's the that is why people love it so much right that's why a lot of people bow hunt and want to do this so they can hunt the rut is for that opportunity right but again people we put it in our mind that that happens all the time 
that might happen one time during a seven day stretch, you know? Um, right. But it's just that chance. It's just that that's the same reason we went, everyone bought lottery tickets for the Powerball, you know, like yeah. there's that chance. It's not, it's not fantastic, but there's a chance. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Dude, I, I agree. I don't, a lot of people think that when they go out and sit the rut, like, Oh yeah, it's, it's November 7th. It's November 8th. It's November 9th. Like I'm going to sit out and I'm going to see 18 bucks, you know, just running their face off. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Probably <laughs> no. not. Maybe it's There's like, a, it's, you know, dude. it's like catching a limit of fish or shooting a yeah. limit of, of birds, you know, like it doesn't happen there often. I like to, I like to think that like during outside the rut, the odds of seeing a buck are, you know, relative, this is all relative, but let's just say outside the rut, the odds are seeing a buck are 5%. A good shooter. You're looking at 5%. So, or let's, let's say 10%, one out of 10 sits, you're going to see a decent buck. You're going to sit 10 and times. I, I'd take those odds if you gave me those. So, yeah. <laughs> I like to think that during the rut, those odds go from like 10 to like 25, like one out of four. So there'll be a day there'll be three days where you sit and don't see Jack Diddley. And then the fourth day you're going to see like everything that yeah. you've been looking for. Yeah. Like, I think that's and, yeah. yeah. Sure. And there's people who have been like, I have buddies who are on like day 18 and eight and they haven't really got into a whole lot of anything. And I have buddies who they've been, they've hunted twice and they've been in it, you know, yeah. both times. And it's like, dude, it just, it just depends on and that difference could at. be like 300 yards away or one ridge over one hill over one field over could be the difference of seeing all that and seeing right. nothing and that's why i do i i am a proponent of if you are in a dead zone by noon or 11 yeah. o'clock even like you need to move because it's yeah. a dead zone and 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 there's four or five bucks on a hot dough on some other 30 20 15 acre chunk and they're just running laps around each other and you need to yeah. find that <laughs> yeah. yeah because it, it's science right people want to be like oh the they want to blame all these outside factors on why they're not seeing deer but like science is saying that's just not happening in your area right like they're rutting they're chasing those they're breeding like that stuff's happening it's not yeah happening where you're at but it's happening somewhere and like it's a guarantee it's not because it's raining it's not because it's snowing it's, it's not, not because yeah the moon like it's not any of that stuff none of that matters okay it is science it says every single year when the days get to this length this is when they're going to chase this is when they're going to breed because if they had any other outside factors in it you would see populations of deer go up and down or like yeah that's not what causes it They, they don't just not breed right they just might breed somewhere else or different parts of the day they might be breeding more at night or early right. morning or, you know, that chasing may happen at different times, mm-hmm. but you know, it's still going to happen yeah. during this time. Core and that's time. why I say dude, you just got to put in your time. Like you got to be confident mm-hmm. in your spots and you got to put in your time. And if you have, if you don't have these solid pinch points, then go to bedding areas. If you don't have the bedding areas, then go to the food sources or the inside corners. Like some of the, some like Dylan and Ryan Unger really like, like, if that's, if that's what you have, like work with what you have. And, and if you don't like, if, if you don't have time, you don't have any of those things you talked about, then change your expectations and enjoy what you're doing. Right. Like don't have unrealistic expectations for what's happening. Right. If, you, if you only get one day to hunt out of the whole rut, then 
you know what? You might need to take that first one that has that first basket rack, or the first one that the horns come yeah. by, and you just have to be ha- excited and happy with it. Like, yep. you know. So I agree. Or you gotta, or like, if you're if you don't have any of that stuff, then you gotta start scouting public, and you gotta start looking yeah. for better pieces of public. I know guys who have wasted away years because they have their uncle's twenty acres that they like to hunt because it's private, yet. 10 minutes down the road, there's a thousand acres of public and they won't hunt it because it's quote unquote public. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's probably better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. Oh man. All right, Grant, dude. Well, we're on an hour and a half, dude. I, I appreciate your time. I know you just finished yeah. cutting up a deer. I know you got two tags in Illinois. Are you going to head out in the morning? Tomorrow I, I have to go to my cabin um, and do some fall cleanup stuff. We're going to take advantage of, having a deer down and and yeah it's warm so it doesn't get me super fired up um because i already have a deer down don't take it the wrong way anybody listening like if it was warm i'm still i would still be if i didn't have a deer down i would be trying to figure out how where i'm sitting all day maybe not the entire day but like i'm still gonna sit through even hot weather i'm still sitting through the day but i'll be back out in the woods um on thursday looks like some and then the weekend is going to be colder than hell and i'm excited about it um so it's going to be good so yeah yeah i'll be back out there until i gotta go back to work next monday awesome dude so. well good luck man i hope you fill that second yeah tag. yeah and good luck with you too hopefully you get the double dropper there hopefully he's still around yeah yeah who knows if he'll stick around he's there's three but there's three shooters and they're all unique one's got like a palmated right side one's the double drop and then one's a double main so nice. all three like phenomenal bucks. And then one buck that I haven't seen since last year, he came through like early November. Um, and he was kind of living on the property last year. I haven't seen him at all this year. And now the day Chad shot his buck, we were in that it's like a 10 acre chunk. That's like, a, we call it the pie slice. Cause it's kind of like, it looks like a triangle um, from, from an aerial view. We were in there took the four wheeler in there, drug his deer out, like hung a new set in there, kind of tiddly fucked around in there. And then we got out uh-huh. and it took us like two hours to do all that shit. And we yeah. got out of there at 11 AM and that buck, he's a really nice eight point. Like I'd shoot him in a heartbeat. Um, uh-huh. He showed up at four o'clock, you know, five hours later, he was right there yeah. underneath the tree stand. And so Didn't he care. showed, yeah, he showed up that day. And then he showed up, um, I think two days ago again in that same spot. So like he's out cruising around. So there's four bucks in there that I would gladly take, um, not including any cruisers that I don't even know about. So, right. Yeah, man, it's just Thursday. Thursday looks like a lot of rain in the evening, kind of thunderstorms, rain throughout the day, odds and ends. I like those days. Like it's a huge peak. So you have, it starts out the day at like 65 or 70 degrees, something like that. And then just slowly bottoms dropping off. And you get these like highs and lows. I like those days. Uh, it's kind of like 50% thunderstorms all day, which kind of sucks. But that means it's going to be like real hit or miss and spotty all over the place. So you're mm-hmm. either in it or you're not like for that. But then Friday rolls around and you get that big old cold front rolling through. And it's like a high of like 35 and a low of like 20. And you're like, yes. So they should be moving all weekend. I would dude, think. I, and if yeah. they're not, you're in the wrong spot. Go move around. Damn it. <laughs> right exactly go go for a walk go yep. for a walk and be quiet and that rain dude i i love doing this after a rain man i will go out and i'll sit for a few hours 
but I will creep my ass around. Like I will creep from stand to stand and just look and watch. And, and if I can walk, walk to a stand and it usually takes me 10 minutes, I'll take 30 minutes just to be real quiet, like heads up, eyes up the whole time, just watching and seeing what you're looking at just so mm-hmm. that you like, you can catch those bucks cruising through. Cause they're going to be super quiet too. Right. You're going to be really quiet. Yeah. They're going to be really quiet. It's all about who sees who first at that point, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when you can get into some real fun scenarios. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to try my decoy out this weekend too. So it'll be good. Try it. Dude, I, I, I don't have, do it a whole I've, lot, but I, once in a while I mess with it. Yeah. I've talked to a few guys who do decoys and they like to like decoys for pre-rut, not necessarily rut, but, but not to discourage you. There are a couple guys that I've talked to that are like, dude, I've had wild success with decoys during the rut. So, I've heard guys doing decoy stuff like all season long and having it work too. So I just have, I have one position, right? Uh, a blind that I like to use it in. Um, and I don't, it hasn't hurt me yet. So we'll see. It's kind of fun to watch a, a deer come up to it, get all postured up, even if they're not big ones. I've had some small yeah. ones do it, but dude, did you see John Dudley's? knock-ons he has a he has a decoy out i he killed a nice buck today i think november 8th he killed it this morning but he had a he had a decoy out in like this mini little food plot or trail or something it looked like Uh decoy was legit a full body mount of a really holy smokes yeah like i mean you look like you look i'm pretty sure that's what it is because when you look at it like yeah just look up knock on um I'm like 90% sure it's got all the fur on it and all that, or all the hair, I should say. Um, it's got Super all the realistic on it. Yeah. Look, I'm looking this up right now. Mine's mine's not that realistic at, by yeah. any means. It's got a lot of plastic it on it. <laughs> it's like almost for sure a full body mount. I've seen, I've seen uh, uh, Mark Drury do that. I think where they put like the head, it's like a, it's like a shoulder mount of a buck and they put it on something. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like you see yeah. that thing, like you can legit see the hair on it. Uh, that's oh wow, the, that's the other. Part. Yeah, that's, when he yeah, when he focuses yeah. in on the decoy, yeah, it is like you can see the hair. Like, yeah, it's legit, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, oh my god, who's got a full? But anyway, all right, the next Grant, thing. I'll, I'll let you go. I know you got to run up. You got to run up, yeah. and it's late for you and, and all that jazz. So enjoy the cabin. We'll be in touch. Yeah, Stay man. in touch. Sounds Send me good. more big buck pictures. Big. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, big hopefully you got another one in the, kill, kill those two 200s that you're chasing on your property. <laughs> uh, hopefully those are the ones that are the neighbors on the neighbor's property <laughs> that show up because I don't have any living on me, but I'll take some. Right. I'll take them. All right. All right, All buddy. Right. All right. I'll catch Sounds you later, good. man.